Hello and welcome to Everyday SEL. My name is Christopher Williams and I'm joined by Shauna Cook-Harvey and Micey Lee. Hannah Collentine Cole is off today and we actually have all been off for the last <laughs> couple of months. Kind of took the summer off and uh, in preparation for today's podcast, we were chatting a little bit about where we are at the end of August and when we started this podcast uh, back in, I think, March, we thought that we would be talking about distance learning through the spring and providing some strategies on a temporary basis. And now here we are at the end of August, and uh, we are still in distance learning. <laughs> the need for social-emotional learning seems to have ratcheted up uh, quite a bit mm -hmm. since we began. But also, interestingly enough, our sense of hope that we began this podcast with has diminished a little bit and uh, we wanted to be <laughs> honest about that <laughs> and uh, I think as folks are preparing for the start of the school year or having already started the school year I imagine that there is a sense of collective um, despair might be too strong of a word but um, resignation uh, a sense of discontent, a sense of dis-ease, and probably some anger and frustration over the situation that we're in, whether you are a teacher, an administrator, a parent, all of the above. Um, we are dealing with a collective sense of angst and frustration, which seems to be apparent in, in many different platforms and areas. And so we thought that maybe it would be a good idea to talk a little bit about self-care today, even though we may not be practicing it very well ourselves, uh, we do want to talk about self-care, um, the importance of it, how we have failed at it, and what we know to be important about it. Does that sound about right? Yep. <laughs> yep. How we have failed at it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anything that either of you want to say by way of welcome, welcome back, introduction, uh, think something to add on to uh, how I began uh, for today? No, I was just thinking about how nice it was to hear you kind of launch again. I haven't heard the <laughs> hello, welcome to Everyday SEL. <laughs> Felt nice. No, I agree. I actually lowered my affect just, it did. just a little bit. I was like, oh, oh. that's what calm feels like. <laughs> just for a, a moment. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Even just saying it, uh, I had a, a similar reaction, which um, may have something to do, right? We talk about in SEL the importance of consistency and routines. Mm -hmm. of course, not to jump right in, of course, or sound too nerdy, but, you know, um, Castle's three signature practices, the welcoming ritual, right? Really important to have a welcoming ritual. And for us, the welcoming ritual is the, you know, uh, my somewhat rehearsed welcome to uh, everyday <laughs> SEL. Um, but that it's important, I think, for us to recognize that there are things that we do which lower our affect. And how do we bring those things to the fore? How do we have some cognitive thought around those things that actually don't have anything to do with cognition, right? You know, we, we have to have a, have a cognitive thought around regulating our affect, which isn't necessarily tied to cognition. Does that, does that sound right, Shauna? Mm -hmm. okay. And if we don't attend to that and we're not 
paying attention to that affect and our emotional state when trying to engage in learning or do any sort of higher order thinking or critical thinking, it's virtually impossible. So yeah, that, that becomes really important to be in a space for learning, to be in a space for connection. Um, that means attending to the emotions for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's frame this conversation just a little bit. And I think I did already, but, um, We've mentioned, I think through every episode so far, the castle's five core competencies, right? Uh, Self-awareness, self-regulation, social awareness, um, uh, relationship, Relationship. relationships, and then um, uh, decision-making, right? Uh, Responsible Mm -hmm. decision-making. And uh, it's somewhat scaffolded, although not linear, but before we can have social awareness, we have to have some self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about this kind of collective trauma that we're in right now, and going back to Shauna's point about uh, when those emotions take over, the kind of uh, ability to think cognitively or rationally um, gets severed or at least put on the back burner, mm-hmm. um, that self-awareness should should be the trigger for us to say like, oh, here I am. I'm in this heightened state. I'm, I'm aware of it. I can recognize it. And then what are the things that I know to do to self-regulate, to modulate my affect, modulate my emotions? And it could be listening to a podcast. It could be um, going for a walk or, or exercising. And it could also be uh, having a glass of wine while watching some reality TV, <laughs> you know, or an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Um <laughs> Not that we're promoting one ice cream brand over another. Um, and which we've agreed as a single serving. Yes. And I think it's important to note how the ice cream gets shoveled into your mouth. It has to be resting on your stomach. Otherwise, you're not fully doing it justice. Absolutely. Um, and, and of course, we're, you know, the, we're having a little bit of fun with this, which is, of course, the point, right, is to lower the affect, uh, laughing, laughter, humor, all of those things are, are important. Um, but Shauna, I know that you've discussed this in the past, but maybe just give us a little bit of a refresher, if you wouldn't mind, on um, uh, this collective trauma and what trauma does to the brain. And then yeah. how do we recognize and understand what's happening? And then when we take these steps, what does that actually do for us physiologically, which uh, which is helpful? Yeah, sure. So... Oh, there's a, there's a lot happening when our bodies are in under duress, when we're under stress and there's different types of stress, right? There's tolerable stress. There's good, there's positive stress that helps us focus, right? It's the kind of stress that allows you to do well on an exam that you've really prepared for, um, or to do a presentation that you're, you, you know, like the back of your hand, right? So that's the positive stress. There's tolerable stress that can be managed by, and buffered by positive relationships with others, right? It's, it's the kind of stress where you, you call your friend and you say, oh, can I just vent? I need to tell you all the things that are making me mad, right? And by the end of that conversation, you feel much better. You've come down from your kind of heightened frustration or anger or whatever it is. So that's the tolerable stress. And then there's toxic stress. And that's the prolonged activation of your body's stress response system. And that's kind of where trauma lives is in that, you know, 
that activation of your stress response system where you've got cortisol and adrenaline flowing through your blood. You've got, you know, your heart rate is increased. Um, you might be sweating. Your inability to focus on higher order thinking is that's, that's that kind of toxic stress space. And, you know, I think for some of us in the era of COVID-19 and this moment of racial reckoning and demand for racial justice. And then I know in California, we're also dealing with wildfires that are ravaging our state. I mean, even like, I'm just looking out the window here and it's almost dark, you know, cause there's so much smoke in the air. So, um, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. And, um, certainly, you know, making our way through, um, this moment in time that we're in, um, requires connection. It requires, um, positive relationships with others. And, and that's really hard when we feel like those in-person relationships aren't allowed to happen. And I know I think about our children and all three of us have kids that are in various stages of the K-12 system, you know, so we're getting to see schooling from a slightly different perspective than maybe we would have typically in our regular workday, even though we work for county offices and school districts. Um, so we're connected to schools, but not actually sitting next to our own children trying to do school at the same time that we're trying to do work. So this added layer of kind of insight into how this pandemic is really um, challenging for our littlest people, um, for our most vulnerable children. And, and I'd say that our kids are probably the most blessed and privileged kids that mm. exist, right. in in our system. Um, and so that it, it can't, you know, I know for me, I can't help but think if I'm frustrated by the things and the decisions that are being made and how things are working, um, you know, I, and I'm much more better prepared for handling this than many other families. Um, and I just can't, it's hard to reconcile. It's hard to, wrap my mind around it. And it just, I think the thing that's kind of weighing on me is it feels like there's no release valve. Yep. I, I think, you know, when we started doing this podcast in the spring, it was like, Oh, cool. We'll just get through the next, this'll be a fun activity to keep us busy during this weird stay at home order. Okay. And now it's going on and potentially further and further. And it's, I think I'm certainly at a point of I'd like some relief. Um, and I, I, I know I've shared with you guys before. Um, it's the tax on the, the personal life too. Uh, the, the stress that this adds to families, the stress that this adds to organizations, to whole you know, systems. And I don't know. It, it, it's definitely a lot in that trauma. I think we're going to have, our country is certainly, and for that matter, the whole globe is going to have a long process of recovery that's definitely more social and emotional in nature um, than I think we even realize at this point while we're still in the middle of it. I mean, I think about when I go walking down the street or go for a walk around the block, I routinely walk in the street to avoid someone walking who's right. also coming down the block towards me. And that's become a normal thing. I, and I'm, it's hard for me to even imagine how am I ever going to walk by anyone again on the street? And that's a very basic kind of pedestrian moment, but all the other moments of things that require us to be in close proximity to others and feel connected to others and get connected to people that we don't know. That's a loss. That's a grief. And so just a couple of things that I want to highlight, and then I 
love to um, get your input, Micey, is number one, the stress response is normal. It's hardwired into us, into our DNA, mm -hmm. that when we encounter stress, these hormones get released and our bodies physiologically have a response to that. And that's totally normal. And to be activated by something that's on the national scale or the global scale or locally, right? Like watching our kids, literally, literally physically watching our kids struggle with online learning. These are all things that can activate that stress response and it's totally normal. But when it gets compounded, it's very easy to lose that recognition that this is normal. And I think then the other thing that you mentioned is that, um, that lack of uh, relief, that sense that like we, there, we felt like we were doing this temporarily and then once the school year began, we would maybe get back to a sense of normalcy and now that's been taken away from us. And so now we're, we have an emotional response, which is um, anger, grief, as well as the stress, which is compounding all of this. And there seems to be no relief because, you know, you can't get online without reading a headline. You can't turn on the TV without seeing something. And kind of like whichever side of the political aisle you fall on, there's a sense of anger over the other side, it seems like. So there's, there's very mm -hmm. little contentment. And so I think all of that is, yeah, it, it magnifies, it compounds, it's, it's cyclical, and it feeds upon itself. And I think my scene, and uh, I don't mean to build up, you know, uh, this unnecessarily, but how then do we, number one, recognize that this is happening? That's that self-awareness piece. And then when we recognize this, what are some of the things that we can do, either professionally or personally, to start to manage, right? We may not get to the... Um, know, a uh, positive stress point, but we can go lower from the toxic to the manageable or tolerable stress level. So what are some of the things that we can do relative to self-care to number one, recognize that we need it, and number two, take steps to manage it? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. And I, I wish there was somebody next to me that I could turn to for, <laughs> for, for um, the wonderful strategies that I so um, wonderfully fail at, at that. I, you know, I was sharing with, with you guys that, you know, I, I was, um, um, it was suggested that I, I light a candle every day to remind myself, you know, that I need to take care of myself. Um, and I've been just awful, awful at that. Um, but I think to your point about how do we recognize when those emotions or those stressors are, are coming up, I think part of that is this regular practice of, of being with your body, right? I don't know that we often just create uh, moments to be silent and moments to just block out the noise. So whether it's turning off the laptop, turning off the phone, right? Some people call it going on a technology sabbatical, whether it's for a few hours, a few minutes, uh, a weekend. Um, but can we just block out the noise for a few minutes so that you can really listen to the sounds that your body is making, the tension that your body is feeling, to the emotions that are coming up, but you so suppress because of all the other noise that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so, so part of that is how do you, how do you create that, that silence to hear? Um, and so really learning how to practice that pause. What does it mean for me to spend every day to practice the pause, again, whether it's two minutes, five minutes, an hour, 
we, we have to find the time, right, for our sanity, um, for our ability to maintain hope or, or some level of optimism because life still happens whether we like it or not, right? Schooling is going to happen. Um, and whether we would prefer to be in space uh, with, with folks physically um, or prefer to be on distance learning, the fact is it's out of our control at, at this point. And so part of that is how do we practice that sense of, sense of silence, sense of self-regulation, so acknowledging what's coming up and then really being purposeful about some strategies that we can use consistently that, mm-hmm. that are uh, manageable, right? That are to some degree um, uh, familiar to, to us. So for me, as an example, I have two feet, I can walk. Every morning, <laughs> I can set my clock an hour earlier and go for even if it's a half a mile or even if it's a walk around the block, that stillness at six o'clock in the morning when no one is out, just me and my dog, has been the one thing that has really helped me um, to to manage, you know, whatever the day is going to bring. And then what is a ritual at the end of the day where I can completely close out my work Mm -hmm. and and focus on my family? Um, I don't always have it right. Um, but at the end of the day, I do shut down my computer and, and I try very hard. Um, I have a, a book of inspirational um, spiritual activists um, book of just quotes. And so at the end of each day, I just flip to a page. Whatever page I land on is the, the quote that I'm taking with me to end my day. And I'll read through that quote, close out my book, and I'm done. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, my husband might disagree that I'm not always consistent in shutting that door to the office Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I I tend to even, you know, late into the night go in. But that is a a practice and a routine that I try to do. Um, So at least there is some consistency to the way that I'm attempting to or trying to um, bring some sanity, sanity into just an insane situation right now. Mm-hmm. I love all of that, Micey. And yeah. um, I, I also love how you began, right? Is that, you know, I, hopefully you realize this uh, as you were saying it, but you do have a level of expertise and you, you do know uh, a certain number of strategies. But the way that you began is, you know, uh, well, I fail at this all the time. And I think that this was not one of your explicit strategies, but what I think was um, incorporated in everything you said is this idea of um, being gentle with yourself, giving yourself permission to close out the computer, giving yourself permission also to fail, and then uh, forgive yourself, right? Like, I just think that's so important to be able to say like, all right, well, like I sucked today at taking care of myself or I sucked or... And I mean, for me, like, uh, unfortunately, you know, like I think the tensions in our house are running high and sometimes it's, you know, the, it's the kids who, um, who suffer, you know, because they do something and I snap at them. Um, mm-hmm. and that sucks and it's totally not what I want to do, but then how do I give myself permission to say like, all right, well, okay, that happened. That sucks. But mm-hmm. like, let's list all the things that you did today that actually contributed positively to the household. Right. And like, let's not dwell on the fact that you snapped, you know? Um, um, and then how do you also kind of go and make amends? Right. 
um, mm-hmm. be, be forgiving of myself, but also, uh, you know, say, I'm sorry. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and just a couple of things that I wrote down that you said is, you know, practice the pause, um, whether it's, you know, for an hour or literally 30 seconds, right? Just kind of stop mm-hmm. for a second. Remember to take a few breaths and just check in with yourself. Um, recognize what is in our control. I love that. That's so important, right? Because there are so many things that are outside of our control that we can't do anything about. But what can I control? You know, I can control that I'm going to go for a walk or, you know, go into my little makeshift gym that I created in the, in the garage and, you know, <laughs> push some weights around because it, you know, helps me feel a little bit better. That's within my control. Whereas, you know, the, the political conversation that's happening on the national level, I, I can, I don't have any control over that. Um, find out what works for you, even if it's one thing. I love that. And then the ritual at the end of the day. Um, I, I just think that all of those things are, are really important and, uh, and really helpful in terms of just centering yourself, checking in with yourself. So that self-awareness and then finding those things that do work for you, which is an individual mm-hmm. practice, that's the self-management piece. Mm-hmm. Shauna, anything? Yeah. Can- yeah. This is actually reminding me of um, at Folsom Cordova uh, School District, um, where I was just previously. And <laughs> um, a lot of how they were thinking about this upcoming school year was drawing from uh, Turnaround for Children. It's an organization mm-hmm that has you know, done a lot of research on the science of learning and development and kind of the building blocks for learning. And some of the things that they're putting out um, throughout their organization are around the three R's, uh, relationships, routines, and resilience as uh, an important response to this moment in time. And I think, gosh, for you know, how, how, how much can I foster that for my own kids? How can we foster that for kids in schools? But also, how can I foster that for myself, right? And I think this idea of self-care that I think in some ways gets a little played out because it feels like a buzzword mm-hmm. and it's like, oh yeah, self-care, right? And, you know, how many of us when we talk about it are like, oh, I'm really bad at it. Or we say everything is self-care, right? Ooh, here's my reason for eating the entire tub of ice cream, <laughs> self-care. You know, I had a, a whole <laughs> bottle of wine, self-care, right? Like I think we misunderstand what the purpose of it is. And I think that the closer we can get to the true intention of it really being a moral and ethical mandate, especially for educators, especially mm-hmm. for everyone who's working in school systems right now, supporting children. It's like, if, you know, we have to be the best we can be in order to be the best we can for others and help them through this process of, of feeling cared for and loved and valued and seen in schools. Um, and just really thinking about self-care as something, doing an act that feels rejuvenating, that feels exciting, that brings you an element of joy or a moment of calm and happiness, as fleeting as that might sound, I think, and then combining that with the mindfulness and the awareness to notice, right? I think, see you, you hit, hit that nail on the head, you know, when you said, oh, it was just nice to hear Chris say, well, everyday SEL, welcome. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, for 30, like... The two seconds it took Chris to say that, I too felt a little bit better, a little bit more calm. And I think if we can notice and kind of hold on to those moments as they come up across and throughout our day, whether it's a bird flying across mm-hmm. the sky while you're on Zoom or, 
noticing the smell of a candle or walking around the block that you walk around every day because you can't go anywhere else, you know, how can we find something that feels rejuvenating, that feels grounding, that feels like a routine for us? Because that gives us a level of comfort and because there's so much to your point, Chris, that we can't control. And just, so I think, yeah. yeah, just to add to what you just said, Shona, I mean, we always say you can't care for others if you haven't cared mm-hmm. for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And in particular, as we do learning through Zoom or Google Classroom or whatever it is, kids will see how you are showing up mm-hmm. and yeah. they will see the stressors and they will see all of the ways that you are um, either caring for or not caring for yourself and, and they will mimic what you are doing. And I think part of what we just have to remember is um, one, it's okay to, to show up on zoom and say, you know, Hey kids, I'm struggling. Like I, yep. I'm, I'm learning this with you. And so that acknowledged acknowledgement that I don't mm-hmm. always have this right, but I'm trying. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and back to the self-care piece, I'm trying and um, I'm, I'm, there, there's some things that I'm really practicing and, you know, over time, hopefully they will be a part of kind of my routine. Um, but you have to start somewhere. And, and I think mm-hmm. part of this is just, just that acknowledgement that we don't have it right and we're not okay. And it's okay to say we're not okay, but we're trying to get better. And I think just to highlight that again is what that has what that does is, uh, and this is, I think it's really important for educators to understand this is because I think, again, that phrase content expert, we seem to like to think that we always have to have the answers and always have to have it together. Well, the reality of the situation is, is when we demonstrate vulnerability and you can take it from Brene Brown or, you know, culture code or all the different books, you know, around leadership that talk about, you know, uh, a leader should demonstrate their own fallibility, you know, demonstrate their vulnerability. Because what we do when we do that, when we say I'm not okay today, is we then give permission to the folks in our classroom to also not be okay. And Mm -hmm. for young people who are really developing these social emotional skills and these coping mechanisms, their stress is going to come out either way. And it's either going to come out in a healthy way or it's going to come out in an unhealthy way. And if you give permission, implicitly give permission to say, it's okay to say you're not okay, then the students say, oh, okay, I can actually talk about this. I can talk about, you know, or, or kind of demonstrate my own failings, not in an acting out sort of way, but in a way that's welcomed and valued in this classroom. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that is a, a really a huge stepping stone towards building those relationships and going back to the whole point that Shauna made earlier about the, the tolerable stress versus the toxic stress is that research has shown us that relationships in and of themselves are mitigating factors that reduces the level of stress from toxic to manageable. And so building relationships with your students is a way of helping them and you manage the stress. So that is a self-care moment. That's um, right. We are just about out of time. Uh, Sean, it looked like you had something to say, but, um, oh no, okay. Um, So we are out of time. Um, I very much valued this conversation. I know that my affect has come down a bit uh, during this conversation. Um, We will be back with the start of the school year. We'll be back uh, about every two weeks is what we will be committing to throughout uh, the opening of the school year to drop a new episode. Um, We are available on LinkedIn, 
or uh, Sean and I through the SCOE website, Micey through Sac City. Um, if you have suggestions for topics, please reach out to us. Uh, again, Christopher Williams and Shauna Cook Harvey of Sacramento County Office of Ed, Micey Lee of Sac City Unified. Uh, and we look forward to hearing from you and look forward to sharing some of our journey with you in the future. Thanks so much. Thank yes. you. <laughs>